Hey, my name is Augustine Colebrook. I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. My focus is on big picture political movements that are happening within the profession, some of the controversial questions, and centering voices that are not being regularly heard. I'm Layla Wyatt. I am a traveling student midwife, learning midwifery from cultures and a lineage of midwifery throughout the United States. I'm here to center the voices of students to hear their calling, their pathway, why they chose midwifery, and even share a bunch of birth stories along the way. Greetings, I'm Jamara Amani. I am a midwife, a mom, and a social justice activist. I am here to challenge white supremacy, homophobia, transphobia, and anything that keeps people from being their best and living their best selves as we have the human right to do. And I am looking forward to sharing stories of birth justice on this podcast. Hi there, Delmar Dalton. I am non-binary, queer, transgender, midwife, and full-spectrum female. My focus is on increasing access and equity in midwifery care and midwifery education. Hello, my name is Angie Love. I am a community nurse midwife in Vero Beach, Florida, at the practice of midwife love. I also do telehealth midwifery through Midwife RX. I'm a mama, and I am committed to maintaining birth choices for all people and educating a future generation of midwives because we will not die out. Hi, I'm so excited and thank you for being here on the Midwifery Wisdom Podcast. Uh, Again, this is Layla, your host. I'm here with Gabby and she is a student midwife and we'll tell you all about her journey here in a second. Uh, Gabby, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Gabby Getz. I am in my primary phase. So I have um, about five more births left before I'm getting ready to send my stuff in a NARM. Um, I'm going through the NARM pet process. Yeah. Where are you located? Yeah, so right now I am in Southern Oregon. And have, did you, have you always been in Southern Oregon? No, yes, I'm from Chicago. Well, I was actually born in Romania, but I grew up in Chicago. So I lived there for like the majority of my life. Um, and I came um, out to Southern Oregon about like four years ago. And I- On your own or as midwifery started? I came out here actually to go to college. Like I was trying to get a nurse to nursing school when I decided that I wanted to go down this path. So I was going to Southern University when I first moved out here four years ago. Okay, so- what happened? Like, where did that shift happen from nursing school to midwifery? Yeah. So I was taking a, um, it was just like a random, like elective class. It was called like world religion or something. I really can't remember, but my professor was really into like shamanism and he was kept talking about like the midwives and like the shamanistic communities being like the medicine women, like healers. And like, I was super drawn to it. I was just like, oh my God, like, I want to do that. Like, like I wish I was born then because like, that's like what I'm supposed to do. Um, and then I really just like got super excited about birth and I took a doula training through Dona and I loved that. And literally like after five minutes of that, I was like, okay, like this is like, I need to do more. Like I'm supposed to be a midwife. Like a doula is great, but it's like not enough for me. 
but my why kind of like came together a little bit sort of after I started my journey. So I was born in Romania at home. My mom had um, me all by herself. She didn't have any prenatal care. Um, like Romania home, in the 90s alone, was like, in the yeah, middle of unassisted. Uh, and, you know, she chose that way of birthing because she, like, Romania was really corrupt. Like, it still is, but especially, like, in the 90s. And there was, like, lots of, like, racism and, like, just, like, classism in Romania and, like, being, like, brown Romanians. Like, people even assume you're a gypsy. And, like, mm. there was, like, this big thing about, like, taking all the, like, gypsy babies, like, away, basically. Um, so she, yeah, she birthed me at home unassisted my grandmother caught me at home um so I kind of like found my why sort of after I was like why am I so drawn to this because like it's just like in me like I'm like supposed to like support these women because I just fully believe that like if my mom like at the age of like 19 years old was like able to have a midwife like her like a whole experience would have been different because like the reason she chose this way was because she like didn't feel safe and like that's the reality of so many women in America even did you know that story before you went into birth work or did you like go through your birth work experience, start asking your mom, like, Hey, tell me more about like, what do you mean? I was alone. Why, you know, tell me more. That Yeah. Of- I mean, I knew, but I didn't really like understand really. Like I didn't think about it. Um, like I knew that I was like born at home, like unassisted. I didn't think anything of it. I really didn't. Um, and then just like, as I started like getting into midwifery, like this was like months into my journey. Like when I was attending births, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is why I feel so passionate about this. Cause it's like, I don't know, I feel like we like hold like trauma from like, you know, like being like in our mothers and like our birth journeys, like even as adults, like I feel like we hold that forever. We do. I mean, Midwifery Wisdom Collective offers a class called Origins, which is pre and perinatal psychology. And literally it talks about the infant, the mother's utero and birthing experience and how that affects your life in general. Right. And and we can keep on going into epigenetics and things like that too. But um, yeah, you obviously had a connection with birth work subconsciously, right? Yeah. Subconsciously but yeah so why the pet so once I put the pieces together I kind of just all like I was like this is it yeah why Um, so I I imagine lots of people that like want to become midwives like look up on google like how do I become a midwife and it's really confusing there was like really no like it was it was really hard for me to find information um so what I understood is like, okay, I'm going to like reach out to local midwives. So I like reached out to this local birth center. Um, and I basically like interviewed with them and, you know, it like worked out really well. They had like a student program. So like they had other students and basically she was like, okay, I went through like the pet process. Um, and like, she recommended like the, like the Via Vida school. So like, that's like the program that I bought, which the lady who runs it like never sent me all this stuff and that seems to be like a big problem that a lot of people have but so let me like pause there really quickly is the school like an organizational support system for pep like can you tell me more about that it's like a midwifery school that like sends you this new modules so like basically you get like a certificate of like complete and it's like a diploma sort of after but it's not accredited by meeks so it's it's the pep process basically 
so I had looked into like the National College of Midwifery. I looked into MCU, but <laughs> MCU is the only school that takes like federal funding. And like, my mom was like, oh, you're gonna have to take like loans out. And I was like, oh, like she was so casual about it. And I was like, I'm not about to take like loans out. Like, what are you talking about? And then like National College of Midwifery, they wanted like $10,000, like right up front even start and I was like where do you get that (laughs) so the pet process just seemed easy for me because I was like okay like these other midwives that I'm working with that are successful did this and like I can like because like I mean midwifery in general like an apprenticeship like you don't really get paid at least when you start so it was kind of just like I needed I didn't really like have the resources to do anything else if that makes sense are you glad, like looking back on it, are you glad that you chose the pet process? Yeah, I actually really am, especially because like, you know, I'm in like a place right now where I'm like doing really well with like my, like the didactical kind of like studying that I'm doing on my own. Um, I mean, like the thing that I don't like about the pet process is there's like nobody to like support us. So like, with like a meek school like if there's like you know like bad preceptor relationships like things like that like they can help you like it sounds like find like a placement that works better but for me it was kind of like it has just been like it's just like kind of like on my own which I sort of wish I had somebody to like help me like there's not really anybody I can like call and ask questions or like talk to so that's what did I don't know like that? about it but what I do like about it is the accessibility no like, I did you know anything. that going like, into I really it? I didn't know anything. Okay. Yeah. No. No. I often wonder that, right? If students like, what again, like you said, there wasn't a lot of information online about how to become a midwife. And, you know, we yeah. have to ask if that's per- like purposeful, you know, how that works. But I often just wonder if a lot of people understand, like it's, it's self-paced, self-driven, all alone schooling. And can take you up to yeah. seven years to finish. So how, how far along are you now and how long has it been? Um, so I'm going to be done like within a couple months, I have five more births. We had, we had a transfer this morning. It would have been four more, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm hopefully going to be sending my stuff in like around Christmas time. And by that time I'll have been hitting my three year mark. Okay. That's yeah. actually good. That's like the expected yeah, like, average, yeah. like, well, cause some people, like I said, seven years. Guys. I mean, it's different. Like if you're with a slow practice, it's like, it might take that long, especially like, right. like I started at a birth center that was like, had a student program, like they train students. So like, I kind of like walked into like having a job, but like, I imagine right. like for a lot of students with like that go into like a smaller kind of practice, like their preceptors, like you're not, not touching my clients. Like, Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And you knew that about your birth center when you chose it? Or did you just yeah. call up the closest birth center? When, like, how did um, you so d- decide that? I reached out to every single home birth midwife I could. And they were all kind of just like, um, you don't have any kids. Like, we don't really like know you, but like reach out to this birth center because they train students. And I was like, great. And I loved it. And I was there for two years. Um, and I guess I just also want to say that like, I've had way more births than like norms, like pep numbers. Yeah. So like, I feel like a lot of people go into it. Cause like, I've just like encountered, like, I can't even count on two hands, like the amount of students I've seen, like quit. Like, it seems like people come in and they're like, okay, two years, like I'm going to knock this all out. But it's like, just cause you have 20 assist births, that doesn't mean you're like done assisting. 
like by any means like just because you had 20 catches like I've caught more than 20 babies but it's like just because you have like 20 catches like doesn't mean you're done and like can you can you go deeper in that for our listeners yeah so like during my cyst phase my reach number 20 like my preceptors were like you aren't done yet like we want to see more from you like more confidence like more development and like certain skills and like in the birth room before like you're ready to catch babies and then I ended up um I ended up leaving that practice like I love them to this day like with all my heart I just wanted home birth experience so I ended up leaving them after two years to work with home birth midwives and so I like had already started my primary phase at the birth center but I was like kind of restarting it just kind of on my own like I didn't feel like confident in those births that I did um, and then I left the last, the home birth practice I was with in bad standing and they didn't sign any of my stuff. So like five months of like hard work, like I don't have anything to show for it besides like the experience I gained. Okay. Wait. And that's like that the is reality. a common thing, right? Is this people like not signing your shit? Yeah. So what? Yeah. Okay. When I call I... Norm. She doesn't care. She's like, whatever. <laughs> So I, I respect, um, that desire to say like, Hey, I love you midwives at this birth center. You have taught me, you've trained me. You've said to me that like, you know, it's not a piece of paper. It's not a checkoff. It's lives that you're dealing with. You have to perfect that deeper. Um, but you wanted home birth experience, which totally, I, that makes sense. Cause you, yeah. you want to see both. It, it is a totally different world. Right. It's so and different. so you, what let's like rewind when you chose that home birth practice, what, how did you choose them now looking because back, what I would you have trained, done like, differently? Student that was at the birth center with me had like graduated, got licensed and went to work with them. And she was like, Oh, you should come here. Like, it's great. And I was like, I went to visit for a couple of days and I like, I had like a bad feeling, like kind of, I was like, uh, like the per- there was like definitely like personality difference, but I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's fine. Like you're going to learn and this is going to be a great experience and it doesn't when, matter. Like you can, when did you have fine. that bad feeling? That's what I told when I met them, I was like, okay, like these are definitely like these people aren't as like warm and fuzzy as like the midwives I was with before. So like the midwives I was with before, like it was just like such a loving environment and like it was very professional. Like I'll say that. And there was like a, definitely a big difference of like um professionality and like they're not they're not as like warm and fuzzy. And I'm not saying everybody needs like this warm fuzzy person, but it's like right. I like thrive on like feeling like nurtured and loved. Mm-hmm. especially by people in authority. Like it just helps me when someone's like, oh, you're doing a great job. And like, it just makes me, it helps me. Um, so I definitely like developed like a lot of anxiety working with these people. And there was like a big, <laughs> there was like some communication problems because of the amount of anxiety they caused me. I like had a lot of trouble like communicating how I really felt and like kind of like giving in to like you know, like my boundaries. I was like, oh, like they made me feel bad because I, you know, like set these boundaries. So now I'm going to like reverse them so that I can please them because I really like was bad at communicating with them. Um, if that makes sense, because of yeah, like these so, personality differences. You know, the personality differences caused you to feel like in your shell. So you felt like you couldn't say what you meant or say what you felt or ask for help or anything like that. And therefore, I mean, we all, if we, we need to face like crucial conversations, if they don't happen, don't get easier. 
yeah I mean like I was like yelled at like there was just like definitely like really high expectations for like time like they would like she'd like call me and be like like this is like just like appointment she'd be like oh I like I'm late to this like I need you to leave your house right now and go here and I'm just like well like I'm doing this and she's like I don't care like drop it and like go do this there was like a lot of like that and I felt like there was a lot of like it was like a group practice mm-hmm. which I've learned isn't really my thing <laughs> okay but there was a lot of like oh you're at the bottom of the totem pole so like you have to go do this kind of like yeah if that makes sense so yeah so looking back on it like what is an ideal preceptor for you and your style yeah. and if you could like re-review or re-interview again them or someone in that moment in their life like what would you ask differently what would you look yeah for? so my preceptor now is like honestly my ideal preceptor like I am so happy where I am and I think what's ideal is like we both like value having a life outside of midwifery because like this practice I was with like they were really busy they would do like anywhere from like nine to like sometimes like 18 births in one month so like these people like lived and like breathed work like they would put on the calendar like dinner and like CEUs at like 7 p.m on like freaking Friday night and like that was like they would like oh we're gonna hang out and like watch educational videos together and it's like my preceptor like doesn't want to do that you're like I I respect that's your style but that's not my style yeah like that my preceptor is like so chill like she really values like having you know like a life um outside of work and I do too and like I let them make me feel really bad for wanting a life outside of work Mm. and like now I'm learning that um I shouldn't feel bad for that so I guess to answer your question like I would like kind of like it sounds weird but like asking them how they spend their time like as weird as that is just being like how like when you're not at work like are there things you like to do like just like especially if you're like going to like interview with the group practice just like asking like kind of like that extracurricular things that are like required of you because like after birth it was like required of me to like go eat with them so like after a birth I had to like would you like debrief though was it like like purposeful to debrief because we want to talk to you because some students are like I I I need to have a debrief with you after every yeah so it could be seen as a positive but like yeah like to me like personally though like I could have like a phone call or like a 10 minute conversation or something but like they made it like a social thing and like it just was like a lot for me to like be so busy and absorbed with work like I couldn't like I would wake up frantically throughout the night like stressed out looking at my calendar like I couldn't stop thinking about work for five minutes yeah it's not super healthy to be around mamas and babies and people yeah when you're that stressed out um yeah can you so how did you then find the practice you're with now yeah. So, um, basically what happened is I left that practice because they, there was something that happened. I didn't like, and they sent me a, Can me- you name a it? message. Name it. Okay. So they had like been <laughs> assigning me different like, like modules to do. And I guess it was like unsatisfactory to them, just like the first one. And like, it was like a super beginner, like midwifery module. And like, we had been really busy that week. And like, there was like multiple births. I've been in like probably like I counted the hours I had been like working for them for like 47 hours that week 
and I guess like I didn't cite my sources and I like skipped this question that was like draw a picture of a placenta and like they were like your work is unsatisfactory so they sent me a message in like the group practice group that had other students in it that was like instead of like a personal email this was like a message in front of like the entire practice that was like this is unsatisfactory and we're suspending you from call on these days like for this time until you get this done to our satisfaction but the modules weren't the pep vita i'm sorry your school modules they were like no this was like their this was like something i don't even know what it was from their own education yeah because they had like a newer student start and like they were having her do it and they were like oh gabby can do it too and i was like cool that's great but like nobody ever like they didn't like tell me how thorough they really wanted it yeah but i just like to me like you can just me that's fine like I did cut corners but the fact that it was like instead of like a a private email it was like in this public Facebook message with other students did you sign an agreement with them when you started they we had planned to but I never actually like signed paper but so for our listeners please sign a written agreement with your preceptor And that agreement should have said, and we're going to require you to do additional education modules in which you could have been like, the what? Well, I think that actually wasn't the agreement and I was fine with it. Like it wasn't the like education modules. Like I will do any module they like anyone wants to do. Like, I don't really care. It was the like disciplining me like in front of other students and like this group instead of like a private email. Like I'm like, who like taught you that this is how you communicate with your talk to people staff mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. your students? Like, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So then I quit right after that. And I reached out to the, the birth center I was at before. And I was like, I need help. Like, I miss you guys. I'm so sorry. And they were like, okay, like, unfortunately, you know, like we have, like we're full right now, but like she um, was able to like connect me with the midwife I'm working with now. So I had like moved my whole life, like three hours away from where I am now to like where I was working. So I'm, kind of like commuting and hanging out here for periods of time and like going home and yeah so you're still commuting three hours like you stay yeah I'll commute that like once a week I'll stay here for like five days and go back for like two days or if there's a birth I'll like turn around it's just what that's crazy so how many births do you do a month at your current site like four okay perfect and it's just me and my preceptor which is cool so and it's a birth center practice yeah but with one person we do home birth and birth center oh, okay well cool. yeah it's we so we serve a really underserved rural area there's no midwives there's only one who's my preceptor um there's really not many resources here we have like a hospital and that's gonna it cool that's awesome that's so awesome. yeah so for those of you guys who are yeah, listening that's kind of there's more than just catches and births that you have to do. It's a lot of like prenatal care, postpartums, newborn exams, things like that. So I know you say you have like five catches left, but what about all of those other things? How close to you to those are you? Um, Basically all I need left is so the catches. So those are like my, my continuity of care clients. Mm-hmm. So I have to have like a three more of those because I just my this was supposed to be a continuity care client that just transferred today um so that's like when I see a client like for five appointments that span through two different trimesters and then I see them for postpartum care um and then I have like a couple more initial appointments I need to 
So luckily, like the midwives I used to work with at the birth center that I was at before said that I can, because we're, we do like low volume here. Right. Said that like, if I need more initials, I can go get them there. Cool. Um, and then we have a plan to like check off all my skills stuff soon. Yeah. So when you're done, this is like, we have where, to have the different like skills verification. Right. Where do you plan on practicing when you're done? Um, I'm moving to Phoenix, Arizona on February 1st. So I'll be there. Okay. So Phoenix or Arizona has some funky laws, yeah. right? Yeah. A little bit. Um, basically when we can carry Pitocin, you're supposed to transfer after like two different Pitocin injections. And I think I'm trying to think we can do V-backs. I don't know. I think we can, we can do breach and V-backs. Um, I'm trying to think there's like kind of one weird thing that I'm trying to There's remember. just some weird stuff with Arizona about like, you have the ability to do IV fluids and Pitocin, but if you use them, you have to transfer and it's kind of that. Yeah. I wish why? Laws Tell me more. Like use like one dose of Pitocin, then it's fine. I, you, I could be wrong, but the, it seems like you can use one dose of Pitocin and be fine. And then after two, you have to transfer. I could be wrong. I talked to a midwife like a little bit ago that practices there and like she was just talking about how like a lot of people just like try to use herbs first right um why Arizona yeah there's some weird laws my boyfriend really wants to live there and I'm like you've been in Oregon like following me around through all this craziness like if you want to go to Arizona like we'll go to Arizona I don't care like it's really it's really not that deep it's just like he like it's warm there and like he like really likes the desert and I'm like if you want to live there like that's where we're gonna it's live warm there the midwifery it's so true awesome there's like lots of doulas lots of like child educators there's like lots of community and like I'm here for it because I'm kind of tired of like where I am now yeah because it's so, so rural so it's really rural yeah because I was con- I'm considering Oregon area for um my last year of midwifery school and just because um I, we love to hike and we love greenery and we love mm-hmm. mountains and access to the coast and things like that. And, um, but I, I'm really passionate about like breaches and twins. And I think that that's not legal in Oregon, is it? Yeah. So we can do twins at home, not at the birth center, but at home. And we can do breaches at home or like if an unexpected breach walks into the birth center. Right. Okay. So do you have to have like a agreement with a clinician or a physician or a doctor or OB or anything like that? Nope. Yeah. That's one thing about Arizona is you need a standing order for meds. Like you need a standing order for each patient. That's the thing I was thinking about, but yeah, no, in Oregon, you can carry, um, Pitocin, Methogen, Cytotec, right. IV fluids. You can Safe. carry it all. Safety. You can use it all. <laughs> yeah. Oregon's, Oregon's a great place to practice. So we want to hear a birth story. I mean, it can be a birth story about something that you learned about yourself, like where you like messed up and you learned a big like life lesson, or it can be a birth story that, you know, 
is about a skill, like listening to heart tones or um, breach or twins or, you know, charting or something where you were like, this really was a life skill um, about midwifery that we always talk about, but like, wow, I really got my hands in it. Yeah. Okay. I have like been thinking about the story. I have the perfect story. So I guess to preface this, like, so like I was, this was me. And then like my preceptor that like I had a hard time with, like, I'm just going to say, like, I am really grateful. I tended this birth with her because she's like probably the most skilled midwife I've ever worked with. I'm like, I just have to say that, like, even though she was mean, like she's the most skilled midwife I've ever worked with. Anyway. So we're at this birth. It's a, it's a home birth, third time mom. Um, this is an important backstory. She's a therapist and like her friends are there. She's got like three girlfriends there and her partner, but like her three girlfriends are also therapists. And like, so she's having her third baby. What kind of therapy? Two, like, I'm, I think she went to like a school, but they're all like, they're all like, you'll see where it ties in. Like they're okay, all okay, like okay. counselor, like therapists. Oh, okay. So like, she's so her first couple births I'm pretty sure like she transferred like had emergencies like it just wasn't it didn't work out where she'd have her baby at home so it was important to her that she had her baby at home so anyway um she's in the tub like she's like pushing she's having a really hard time and she's like oh like she's just like you know starting to get really like upset and just like done and um she she's like can you check my cervix and I was like sure like we just like assumed she was fully dilated because she's pushing so like reach in and like her cervix was kind of posterior so like that's how I knew I was like I cannot be estimating this wrong so like I had to reach like grab it and like it was like she was like six centimeters so I like kind of looked at my receptor and I was like like and I didn't say anything I was like oh there's a little more cervix left like let's just like you know breathe for a little bit her friends like they all been like her friends were all like drinking wine and like laughing and they're like holding her hands and they're like they're like let's visualize the cervix going away and like they're all like therapists this is like a thing they do it's like the visualization it's like a thing so they're all like talking they're like visualize the cervix going away and they like keep saying it over and over again and I'm just like oh my god like we're setting this woman up to fail like she's like six Mm. centimeters and like all of a sudden she just like pushes her baby's head out and like um (laughs) the baby's head took a while to come out and then the body flew out. That baby ended up needing like a good like seven minutes of resuscitation. Yeah. So that was like a very like, I was like, ooh, this Sounds is like real. Sounds like she went like, from I six just... to 10 really fast and that baby flew yeah, through like, the canal. <laughs> what I learned from that birth was I was like, who am I to like tell a woman that she's not ready to push her baby out because of her cervix? Or maybe that you can't visualize the cervix opening and then it opens. Exactly. I'm like, I, mean, I tell yeah. this woman she's not ready to push a baby out. Like, and like for after that, now I'm always just like, if a woman wants to like try to like give a little push, like we won't go crazy. If she wants to try to give a little push, like if she feels like that's like what she wants to do, like who am I to tell her no? Yeah, that's really um, interesting. And that's what I work like for a pre for a midwife who does this really interesting comment, and she says. Like when the woman or when the birthing person says, I really need to push, she says, we'll go ahead and bear down. And if it feels good, go for it. But if it feels wrong, then I want you to tell me that. Right. And every time I can't say this is going to happen every time, but like so far, every time they're like, oh no, okay. I don't like that. They haven't been ready. 
right? Like it yeah. just, it wasn't the right time Yeah. But when they did. And it felt good, even though they were like six centimeters, babies were born pretty soon after. So, you know, exactly, it's an intuition, but also if they are afraid of doing it, just questioning that, like, do you enjoy the sensation or when you try to do it, does it feel wrong? You know, um, yeah. is interesting. Yeah, something I've just been trying to implement lately is like not even doing cervical exams. Like they're a great tool. Like, you know, like for women, it's like utilize rest. And like, especially for like some first time moms, like it's important. But lately, like, so like I have gone like multiple years, like up until a couple months ago where I started attending births and like not doing cervical because my preceptor now, like she's super cool, which is like letting me kind of like manage the labor. There's a couple of births lately have showed up and I've just like not done any cervical exams and the babies come out like. Right. Babies come out. But well, I think that they come if out. They're, yeah. If there's not an about... indication, right. Like you get there, she's moaning, she's bloody show. She's her contractions are consistent. She feels pressure in her butt. Fetal heart tones sound great. All of her vitals are yeah. great. Like why? Yeah. Cause if a mom's like in real labor like that, even if she's three centimeters, I'm not going to leave. Like, <laughs> But what I was going to say about that birth was that birth was also like an eye-opening experience. It was like, wow, this is real. Cause like that, that was like, a, I'd never been at such a serious resuscitation. And that was like a big, like, I knew exactly what to do. And like that preceptor, like she didn't really like give out compliments and she was like, you did a good job. And like, that mm. made me feel like that was like, I was like, that was like the moment I was like, okay, I can like really do this. Like I knew exactly what to do. And like, apparently did a good enough job where like, she was like, told me that. And that's great. Like. But yeah, it kind of sounds like I know you were saying that she like you like warm and fuzzies and things like that. She doesn't hand them out often, but when she does, yeah, so it meant they're a lot. real, right? Yeah. Like that meant a lot. You you obviously yeah. handled that resuscitation really well. And after learning something like oh, whoops, <laughs> guess six in a baby can cabin really quickly, yeah. So what advice would you give other students or someone looking to become a midwife or someone that's like, you know, just starting out? So my advice was like, I think this is what benefited me because I've seen so many people quit. Like I can't even count the amount of people and it's starting slow. So like I started at like a pretty high volume birth center. We were doing like, you know, like five to seven births a month. So like that's, you know, it's not that many, but like, it's kind of a lot. And like, I started out on call like two days a week. And like, Mm -hmm. I was able to have, like, I used to take care of elderly people for years. Like I had, like, I was working at like a memory care facility. And then I was like on call and did clinic two days a week. And like, that was really helpful. Like when I was first starting out and then like, eventually, like when I got farther in, like I made that my, like midwifery, like my whole, the only thing that I do. Um, But I feel like I would have like burnt out if I didn't start slow. And I think also like, just like, if you feel like a preceptor, like if you guys don't like mesh and you're not happy and it's like causing you like emotional turmoil, like my experience caused me, it's like, there's really no shame in like finding a new preceptor because like developing your confidence is the most important part of this whole thing. Because like, you can do like, you know, like you can get your stuff sent sent off and you can pass your norm, but like when you're like actually on your own it's like confidence is what's gonna like really help you are you planning on becoming a preceptor someday yeah like I can't wait to have a student like I'm probably gonna have like I mean like 
I don't know, like, obviously I need to be ready, but like, right when I become a preceptor, like, I, I, it feels like really important to me because like, I just feel like I reached out to so many people that like, didn't even give me like five minutes, like explain them like my, like why, why I wanted to do this or whatever, you know? So I just, I feel like I'll be really picky about like who I train. Cause I think it's like important to me to like, it's important to me to train midwives of color. Cause like, as a woman of color, it's like, that's who like, that's who I want to make like turn into midwives. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And that you connect with them. Like you said, you'll be a little picky oh, yeah. women of, you know, students of color, um, indigenous students and yes. And those that you connect with, right. Like that you can trust too. Unfortunately, your story isn't rare, right? Your story of being mistreated by preceptors or jumping and bouncing around isn't yeah. rare, but I hear it the other way around too like where students have actually mistreated preceptors or lied to preceptors and, you know, and so then you, you think about this like vicious cycle of, you know, we've got the trauma of our preceptors being passed down to us because they were mistreated as students. But then you also have students mistreating our preceptors to the point where they don't know who to trust. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that's a big reason there was like kind of a lot of like weird energy with my last apprenticeship is because they had a student that like really did them pretty dirty and like it caused them to have like apprehensions and Mm -hmm. yeah so where can people find you how can they donate towards your journey um let me look what my cash app is I'm pretty sure it's my name yeah, it is um, just G or it's Gabriella Getz. So it's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-A-G-O-E-T-Z. And then on Instagram, it is at Gabby Getz, just G-A-B-B-I-G-O-E-T-Z. It's the same on Facebook too. Perfect. Perfect. We love following journeys and supporting yeah. you as needed and things like that too. Sure. And, and uh, what's the, what is your midwifery business going to be called? Maybe we'll find you there. Do you have an idea? Yeah. So I'm going to call my practice medicine mama midwifery, but I'm not Ooh, sure like if it. I'm going to start my own pra- I'm, I don't, I'm probably not going to start my practice right away. Like I'm hoping I'm just going to like, you know, like slide into somebody else's and then like, maybe like kind of like join forces with somebody and then like kind of establish my own brand. And like, I just like want to have like a partner to work with, Mm. but that's not, you know, it's not the easiest to find like your perfect person to work with. So, but no, I need like, I'm feeling like really, like it's really important to me to like work with somebody that has more experience than I am. Cause these are like real people's lives, you know, in the beginning. And yeah, I feel like you're not just like, you don't just like get licensed and then like, not you're like, you're not, you know, you're not, ready I don't think completely what are you talking about you mean the NARM life the NARM certificate doesn't prepare you for everything yeah I just Um, like I'm like I don't I feel confident like I can provide care but like I just want to attend worse with somebody that like also has skills like it's not just gonna be like me and then like some random assistant like it needs to be somebody skills (laughs) have you met any friends along the way yeah. Like student for midwife sure. friends that yeah. you, okay, good. So it, there's hope out there for, for you guys, students, you can find friends, like oh, any yeah. one friend that stuck with you for all three years. I mean, like the girls that I did my like training with, like the person I was at for like a couple of years, like I'm going to love them forever. And like, we're going to yeah. follow each other's journeys forever. Like, I think we have different paths. Like 
like obviously like they're probably gonna stay here in Oregon but oh yeah and I have like I made friends with this other girl who like she was at the birth center I was at for like two days didn't work out but like she's with like a home birth practice now and is like thriving and like I feel like I'm gonna always like you know like kind of like follow her and like yeah good we need that we need that I haven't really like yeah I mean I think it's like important as like this upcoming generation of midwives is like the older generation of midwives were like they'll hate each other like that's like a reality that like isn't talked about like they all hate each other and like a lot of people treat their students bad because their preceptors treated them bad and I think we just like break the cycle because it's like different client like we're all going to attract different clients and it's like we're not like stealing clients from each other like we seem to love each other and like support yeah the scarcity mindset thing is ridiculous this like scarcity mindset and skill like I'm the most skilled I'm the oldest most skilled midwife and the hippiest and the you know it's just a little crazy but you're right there is like something different about this generation of midwives the ones like 2018 and on you know there's something about this generation and I mean we're we're gonna be the new manna I guarantee you if manna if manna doesn't die and we some you know build something else but the new manna, the new, we're going to be filling those norm seats, graduating, getting licensed, creating practices and teaching the next generation. And all in a time where we're, I mean, we're, we're kind of like back in another Renaissance of midwifery, right? Like we are definitely as part of a new Renaissance with like the mom's bill and the baby's act and things like that. But it's you, you're our future. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So I think if we're just nice to each other, like that's a, that's like a really good start, you know. <laughs> just be that's nice a really good start. Let's just be nice to each other. It's so true. Yeah. All right. Well, that's <laughs> it. Thank, thank you so much. Is there awesome. anything else you want to hear? You want to you want to send out to student midwives or midwives around the world? I guess just like, if you want to do it, like go for it. And like if you have to take breaks and like come back to it, that doesn't matter. Like just do it. Awesome. Like, I feel like some of the best midwives have taken breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye, Gabby. (laughs) Bye.